0: Hello and welcome to a particular podcast, it's us, Julia and Anastasia, um, and today we are talking to um, a very creative person who knows a lot about not very creative stuff, Data. Um, it's a founder and a creative director at Eleven, uh, it's an agency that um, works with D2C e-commerce, and I honestly don't don't know half of these words so we'll be asking him about d2c e-commerce and how the creativity is possible in the data-driven e-commerce space where everything is might be generated by by ai and all of that anyway this podcast I think will be very useful to people who are interested in the e-commerce space as an agency, as a creative, um, and also are just looking at um, how to start your own Shopify. God forbid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think yeah. After this podcast, we can uh, like also we start can... our own Shopify, making some merch for the podcast. Yeah, particular t-shirts, yeah. And particular t-shirts, hoodies. And mugs mugs yeah (laughs) iphone cases you can name them all
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're also talking about um, email uh, marketing and all sorts of digital tools the creative agency can use ben was very very um, particular and um, listed them all that was very very um, useful i felt
1: yeah, and if you're interested in how to increase uh, your conversions and lead generation as well, this podcast will be really useful for you. And everything that Ben has mentioned, we are going to include in the description box. And yeah, and also uh, look out for our Substack newsletter that is going to come out, I hope, next week. So we're going to release all the show notes from our previous episodes and all the learnings and findings. So, yeah, uh, we will include the subscribe uh, link as well in the description box. So, hello, Ben, and welcome to the podcast. It's really nice to have you here.
2: Hi, Anastasia. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: So, how are you? How was your day?
2: I'm very good, thank you. My day has been busy, which is uh, unlike a typical Friday for me. Um, but the sun is shining, which always makes me a lot happier.
0: Mm. Uh, can i introduce ben yes just for our listeners so ben i'm looking at your linkedin page now (laughs) and i'm seeing that you are a founder and creative director at 11 an award-winning branding and e-commerce shopify d2c agency so um my first question is i i don't know the A couple of words here in in this sentence so can you explain to me first of all what is d2c um e-commerce and how does how does that connect with brand creativity
2: yes absolutely i can answer that uh i think i need to shorten my linkedin profile (laughs) tag though that was a long one (laughs) um (laughs) so um yes so you're right so i'm founder of 11 um and we're a a branding and e-commerce agency. Um, and so we work in the world of D2C, so that's direct consumer. So ultimately, anyone who is selling something online, uh, direct to their customer, so a brand going direct to their consumer is our our cup of tea, I guess you can call it. Um, really enjoy that space because it's quite fast-paced in the world of e-commerce, and the e-commerce side of things um is that we are probably a Shopify agency, so we're working on the platform Shopify, but I'm sure uh, many people have uh, heard It's it's got a lot of traction in the world of um, essentially online uh, commerce. And we specialise in that platform in e-commerce because it's a fantastic place uh, or platform to uh, essentially leverage hosted e-commerce. So essentially put all of your products uh, on one platform that allows you to sell, uh, to connect your customers across loads of different sales channels. Uh, and you can customize the site, and that's where the creativity comes in. And you you start um, bringing the brand into that online space and trying to get that tangible um, feeling across uh, into the digital world. Mm. Um, so hopefully that kind of covers those first little bits. There. Yeah.
0: Well, I have immediately next question pops up in my head. Um, what I know about Shopify, I'm I'm very probably unprofessional here, but <laughs> the information as I get as an internet user, you know, is like when the famous YouTuber or Instagram influencer wants to sell merch, they say, "Okay, my merch is available on Shopify," and that's okay. basically they have their logo on the T-shirts that are printed by somebody else and everything is done for them. They just yeah. put their link. Is that this or is this more to it? That
2: is probably um, the first step into someone's Shopify journey as okay. a, let's say, a an entrepreneur or a founder, um, which is very, very typical. So yeah, Shopify is basically the gateway for you to be able to sell your products online and you can do drop shipping. Um, mm-hmm. so it's very popular for those who don't have any capital mm-hmm. who um you know can't hold stock so they can drop ship which basically means connecting to your supplier who might be doing these t-shirts for you order comes in instead of you already holding on stock it sends out a notification to your supplier to say print me this t-shirt send it direct to my customer um so and so that's very much the the first rung on the ladder that most people go on in that journey or brands, um, yeah, they may grow from that space. Um, and suddenly the next stages in this world of of Shopify would be, um, developing the site, bringing in your brand, starting to educate people around, you know, why, what, how, your purpose, mission, and value. So, um, yeah, it's very much a vehicle, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think you kind of nailed it in terms of like that first space.
0: And what is there for you to do as a whole agency of creatives if it's just still kind of popping your log or so some?
2: that would be yeah, so there's actually there's actually loads and loads um that we do with our clients in that space. So typically we work with clients who are Either spending a, a certain amount of media spend on Meta or uh, other social channels, so they they've got traffic coming over to their site and they're selling quite. So they're probably spending, let's say, anything from from twelve thousand, fifteen thousand pounds per month upwards. Um, and that kind of qualifies the kind of brand uh, that we would work with because they've got lots of people coming to their store, and suddenly they need to have. A um, their brand needs to be shown in a distinctive way, uh, that's married against you know, the core values of whoever they are, uh, and that's where we help in terms of beyond the, the branding, um, it's how you execute this, um, mm-hmm. online. So, can could...
0: you give an example, please, of yeah, something um, real?
2: So, in terms of a client, um, I mean, we have a <laughs> Days Brewing is a kind of a highlight client for us in terms of how they position themselves as a brand. Um, So they sell um, no alcohol uh, beers. And Mm -hmm. um, it's quite an interesting kind of product to sell direct to consumer because typically you would buy that in your local off-license or your supermarket or uh, in a pub. Um, Their point of difference is that uh, they're trying to get people to be uh, more aware of drinking habits and having a no alcohol beer allows you to do more the next day because you're not feeling bad if you did have, have a lot of alcohol the night before and so it's how you can put that message across ultimately um, and that's through compelling copy um, it will be through illustration it will be having a succinct brand the right colors um, and then also on the, the the website itself it's the kind of psychological triggers in terms of design And what I mean by that would be um, placing the uh, buttons in the right space. The buttons have the right color. Um, There is uh, information informing the customer about maybe delivery charges. Or if you spend a certain amount of money, you might get your delivery for free. All those are part of the wider kind of puzzle that we put together for our clients on Shopify to essentially convert those customers that they're sending to their website. Because you can have a great website uh, and you can have a wonderful brand, but without conversion tactics uh, taking place on your website and without a a nice user experience that gets customers through to the checkout, it's kind of a bit of redundant website because it's not serving its purpose of uh, being able to facilitate a sale ultimately. But a sale is more than just like a transactional piece here. We're really trying to connect those customers to that brand. So they become a bit more of a a lifetime value customer. And that's where this, the purpose of delivering a brand online is so important and also so very hard and getting it right uh, is different for every brand. But if you do get it right, you start to build a bit of loyalty with your customer base and they're gonna come back organically and they're gonna hopefully be with you for for the long term, for the journey.
0: Mm -hmm. um that makes me think what you're describing is um what to me at least that's my completely personal opinion is kind of the boring side of the creative process (laughs) kind of making all the cogs you know go in your favor and all of Mm -hmm. that what made you when you were creating your agency what made me made you choose this particular niche, this kind of more...
2: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And you're kind of right in in the sense that, that that's the the, the cogs, so the, the the bread and butter that's required to kind of um, deliver for our clients. But the reason why is, is it, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's, quite, it's a really exciting space because you can make changes quickly. Um, you, there are trends emerging all the time. There's uh, exciting kind of like strategies that you can implement on websites um and that could be through like user experience like micro interactions but go looking taking a step back a bit further um it's it's the brand like the uh, the space that i like to be in particularly is where we're working with brands who have got the appetite to kind of be disruptive in their marketplace or make a bold impact and statement Um, or who are aligning themselves to more of a purpose behind their story be it helping people or the planet Uh, and when it comes to the brand it's kind of there's a lot of noise in that in online generally so how do you make something kind of distinct and stand out and connect and that's the exciting part for me is always being able to uh, having to always think about new ideas or or ways of executing something that's going to work for now and the long term that is uh, ultimately kind of modern cool exciting because a lot of DTC brands are young and they're they're startups or they've transitioned from the uh, traditional bricks and mortar through to online and so they need that new online presence so that's the kind of excitement for me.
0: Mm. Why? For you personally that is an exciting part from your previous history and experience yeah
2: that's a good question um for me personally i guess going back to the the speed of things i get i get to wear many hats should we say so we're we work across many industry types so i mentioned alcohol-free beer we also have um uh, fashion brands we work with we've worked with dog supplements we've got sofa brands and i like to wear these different hats to be able to think about these different brands to challenge myself i guess um and it's being able to challenge myself but also then prove to myself and the clients we work with that what we are doing works and i think it's the the not necessarily the unknown but the the excitement that comes with having to get to a destination and the journey in between can take you anywhere.
0: Mm. Okay. So then let me ask you, well, okay, let's say Brent comes to you mm-hmm. and says, this is what we need. What set of data are you asking um, them to give you before yeah. starting work?
2: So let's uh, probably s- set up, where this brand might be so let's say for example they're coming to us and they're asking to um reposition from one platform to shopify um mm-hmm. or they are a brand that's maybe got some capital behind them and they're starting up and they've got a, a really exciting product that will that kind of gives us a bit more of a, a focus of what we need to ask and typically we'll be asking how how many people uh how much traffic is coming to your website currently what product types uh products do you have and the variants of those product types because we need to build uh a store architecture uh that fits the, the brand and the product but also the store needs to be set up to to funnel the customers through to the right place at the right time so if you've got so i guess data would be um yeah how many products and what are the touch points of these products? Are there like, an, or is there an ordering system? Is there a filtering system? Uh, but beyond that, we need to know the the turnover they're doing per month. Um, the Maybe this, if their product's uh, a subscribable type of product, how many subscriptions do you have and how often? Um, what their new product launch strategy might be. Um, and whether, like I mentioned traffic, where the traffic's coming from, typically it's paid uh, and what channels it's coming from there. So we can make sure that we're designing uh, the site that's reflective of those audience types from those social channels. So from the different generations of audiences, we make sure that the, the website's community, communicating to them correctly. Um, other data points would be, uh, she so talked about kind of more of the, the financial points in terms of turnovers per year or per month, and numbers of traffic. We, we also have a, a wider kind of discovery in terms of um, looking at the brand as well, though, as much as the data, so where they see themselves against their competition and where they want to go to. Um, so it's a mixture of data and brand in those early stage questions, but it's generally down to, um, the product architecture, traffic to the site, and then kind of the more more analytical pieces of Mm. how are they staying on the site for, are they bouncing, you know, are they converting through to the checkout? How can we optimize that um, space for that increase uh, average order values or just general conversion rates?
0: Mm. That sounds like a lot of really... Um, professional (laughs) information like you need the very kind of qualified people to be providing the access for you to that but have you ever come across a client who would be like I don't know the influencer or youtuber who would just come to you and say "Mm, just figure it out can you just sell my stuff I don't know all of that
2: yeah that happens um yeah very often we quite yeah, we've had a few clients recently where they're just, it's a trust thing actually, if, if we go back stage, we've, we've built trust in the earlier conversations and they're going, do you know what we trust you? Just go and do what you're great at. And so they've gone, here is access and you, know, you we've told you what we need.
0: Ah, so they what? basically uh, give you their password and uh, yeah, you just rummage
2: there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Um, um, we've had people who just yeah, give us their full access. We don't often suggest they do that, um, but uh, on the other side, we have when we work teams, there'll be there'll be know, like a, the founder typically, or a CTO or e-commerce manager or digital director who will have that information that will give us access that way. Um, in the world of Shopify, though, it's, it's a really um, simple way to get access. We're Shopify partners, which means that we're accredited by Shopify. And so if we need access to somebody's store, it's a simple um, adding their URL into our partner dashboard. And then the the client can give us the certain views so we can see everything or uh, as little as they wish.
1: But um, I have more of, I would say, not a philosophical question, (laughs) but a challenge to you. So do you think that um all this data and all this access to data does it limit your creativity in a way uh i mean this um in terms of you have to make decisions based on data not on the saying you want to produce or like a creative uh, point you want to prove so do you yeah. think it's a challenge and how do you deal with
2: this that is a really good question and i love that you've asked this because. It- it is a challenge um there is a lot of data and you can just be swamped by it and it can be all consuming and it gives you a kind of like a, a decision paralysis and it makes it quite hard because it if you don't have some clear goals and objectives it's near impossible to to do our job because we need to kind of refine the goal so we wouldn't say we're trying increase every metric on the, on the website because it's near impossible. So we'd refine the ones that are really important first. And it does, um, restrict some creativity in some senses, but it opens up some other doors or other gateways in another sense. So, um, it basically gives you a, a brief, which is quite, um, objective. Um, so it does remove some subjectivity. It can. Put the blinkers on sometimes, and would you maybe miss the more creative opportunities? But I guess as an agency, we um, we enjoy the uh, having the brief or the goal or the objective at the beginning because that sets us out in the right direction. But we make sure that we always do our research basically, and our research is um, integral to everything. Looking at the competition, uh, direct and indirect, because we very much. Um, pride ourselves as being a design-led brand and e-commerce agency. Um, so I'm not a technical founder. I my background is uh, and always is, is design, and so that's what I know, and that's what I'm driving my team forward to be. And everything starts with that creative inspiration, and Good. from there our ideas are born, and then we attach that to our objectives and goals.
0: Um, I know it's a big thing to ask maybe right now, but um, can you give an example of being restricted by this data that you've got and the brief? And uh, was there any successful uh, story of you actually being super creative with that amount of restriction?
2: Um, Yes. So just trying to think of a, a restriction... We did some work for again Days Brewing, and um, the objective of that was to increase the average order value of every customer purchasing on the website. Um, and there average
0: are... average order wa- value is when they buy more than
2: than that's right. So, <laughs> trying to get either a higher priced item into the checkout flow or to the basket, or multiple items to increase the total um there's re- obviously in terms of e-commerce that equals more sales but it's also a bit more beneficial to the the business because they're having to do um less for the same sale if that makes sense so they might ship out mm-hmm. more products in one yeah. so less shipping costs and so on um so that was an interesting one because that's always a, a tough brief um because there's lots of variables um and, and so we definitely overcame that and That was a, a success story because the work we did, uh, I think, improved the average order uh, rate by, I think I was doing some numbers of those the other day, uh, roughly around, uh, I think it was 15 plus percent. It could be higher. I don't have the numbers. What did you do? What was it? it so it was a mixture of um, clever copy um and aligning the copy against the purpose of the, of the brand. Um, it was also some small user experience changes. So making sure that we're uh, informing the customer early about um, delivery charges, for example, and how much they would need to spend to get free delivery. And that would push them over the typical one purchase and it would need to be then maybe add more products into the basket. Um, But it was a general redesign of the product page, um, bringing in the values into the right spaces um there was some illustration taking place in there as well to kind of make it feel less sales focused and more of a, a journey that the customer's going on and to just deliver all the benefits of the product as well
0: what is the clever copy what do you mean by that uh, yeah, to me <laughs> when like i try and imagine nuts. that sorry yeah uh,
2: creative copy lines as what i kind of call clever copy. So it could be a really succinct, direct um, action, like call to actions. Um, For that example with days, we did something around the piece of if you, it was called more days, fewer fumes. And the idea behind this, which is justified to this, if you do purchase more at one point in time, you're um, removing more lorries on the road which then reduces the amount of fumes going into the atmosphere and they're a b corp uh, business so that's only beneficial
0: oh that's west really west good yeah planet
2: earth in general but it was just repackaging that information in a creative way um so that was just. but these are all one of multiple little things that take place to get an overall um uh, successful action
0: Anastasia did you have a do you have a philosophical question in our in our uh, pair uh, I'm more about technical things and Anastasia is philosophical and creative <laughs> so,
2: like um, uh, every, every time
0: yeah every time we go down this route and what did you do and what was it and what are the numbers I'm. Um, I know that <laughs> Nastasia is thinking about something different.
1: Um, I think my question would be this. So how do you find this balance of uh, doing something more creative and to like to participate in the festivals? Because I've seen you have some awards and uh, that's really impressive. And also some of them, I wouldn't call it mundane, but in the way some projects can be, you know how to do them. And they can be like, you know, a bit automated. So, how do you find this balance?
2: Um, How do we find the balance? I guess it's through the variety of work that we do. As I mentioned, we work in many different industries. So, we may have some repetitive work uh, that takes place, but that can be replaced by some other work for a different industry where we've got to think about things in a different way. but beyond let beyond the client stuff uh we try and always uh make sure that we're kind of like filling our cup full of um the creative world where we can so it's not Monday to Friday 9 to 6 you know mm-hmm. full on go 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 we do take time out to kind of uh, pursue yeah other kind of passions whatever they, that might be for the team just to make sure that we've we're always feeling that kind of refresh so when it does come to the more creative opportunities, we're not burnt out. Um, And I guess in terms of the work, uh, it's probably just knowing when we've got opportunities to do more creative things. So we do a lot of um, customer acquisition through paid social media. Uh, So what I mean by that is we, we design videos, static graphics, carousels for Meta, so Instagram, Facebook, um pinterest too we sometimes i'd say three four times a year also do um our own shoots for our clients so we'll concept and create videography and photography for their wider brand ecosystem and repurpose a lot of that to go into the marketing funnel in terms of paid social media so that's very creative because you can test a lot of things in there you can try it out see what's engaging and, and connecting with customers and that space is quite against fast-paced and it's enjoyable because uh there's just you can have lots of ideas and try them and then you can find out the answers quite quickly Now uh, you don't have to wait around for someone else to deliver the answers It those are coming coming to you because of how customers are clicking on the ad or how long they watch the video so um In a roundabout way, I guess that's the answer to kind of like keeping creative. It's um, always having the opportunity to try things and learn.
0: Um, Speaking of the answers, it makes me dive back into my how do you do it? Um, Well, Again, back to data. So you've collected some data before you started work on the yeah. particular campaign or project. How do you collect data after the project is complete to measure success and do you have access to it? What, yeah. To what extent the brands um, give you access to this data? So
2: um, most of the brands we work with, they in-house they have a team Again, it might be someone within marketing or growth management or performance marketing that have access to, to Google. Um, so we're now talking GA4, um, which I'm sure they've all migrated to recently. So that will be able to give them a really good, you know, should be able to give them a really good idea of how customers are interacting and what they're clicking and converting on so on. Um, through paid social media, through uh, Facebook Ads Manager, Um, and aggregated data again, particularly from the brand team, they will be able to come back and tell us um, the return on advertising spend that they're getting across their ad sets. That's known as the ROAS, uh, the return on their investment ROI in terms of the media spend they're getting as a whole. Um, And we'll also get data such as the click-through rate, the CTR of those ads, um, the impressions those ads put on people's social feeds, like I say, there, the data can become quite overwhelming. Uh, mm. but typically, we would work with the brand at this point if we're not doing any of the, the data optimization for them. Um, we, with a few brands, do that uh, for them where we look at their, um, like I said, the Facebook ad manager and pull out the data and we analyze it and then we optimize, say, so did this, for example, uh, video which had loads of red in it work as well as this video which have loads of green on it and we then go okay green wins let's make more green videos as a very basic example um so that's the post kind of work data capture and um, like i say we are very agile in how we work at that space because every brand is different and they may have another agency that's specializing in performance media and we hook in with them and we collaborate they may be doing it as an internal team as their brand themselves. And again, we collaborate or we're being asked to help them as well. So uh, ultimately through all of this is collaboration, clear communication is so important. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: and all of these people behind this, they're people, they're humans, is having a good human connection, really. That's that's key to uh, kind of making your way through this swampy data field.
0: Mm-hmm. Um even more practical question once you've collected all this data how do you store it and um, use it for the future reference what piece of technology you're using how you how are you not drowning in all of that what how is it organized
2: uh so in terms of technology i mean i can give you an overview of the technologies we or well, the, the platforms that we use as an agency um and some don't do the data storage but it probably just give you a better view of our kind of ecosystem so communication, Slack, uh, and then Google, so Google Meets, Gmail, um, obviously Key, Google's a big part of our ecosystem. We use a project management tool called ClickUp, uh, which uh, we recently moved over to about a year and a half ago from Trello, and it's been brilliant. It's very similar to if you've used anything like Notion, Uh, so it's great for documentation. Um, So we will store... um, everything for our clients in there internally, and is password protected and secure. So we'll have folders about the documentation of how their Shopify store works for that particular client because we're building custom stores. And so it being custom means it works differently to how someone else might have their custom store. So that's all uh, documented Mm -hmm. there. And we do that mostly through Loom videos. So we'll record ourselves, you know, screen recording of, Doing you know, making customizations to their store, however, and then they've always got that library back to go to. Um, data wise, Google Sheets. Um, that's pretty go basic go to, but uh, nice and easy to share and secure and give access. Um, and then I'm just looking at my dock on my computer. What else we use? Um, I think yes, Slack, Google, ClickUp, Loom, yeah, Zoom. <laughs> Are the main kind of key players in that space?
0: Sounds like a lot of subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: do you know roughly? Do you have an idea how much you spend on this
2: on all this gear? That, that is a really good question. Do you know what I should and I don't. Um, I can. Uh, Google is like I think they put their price up at like five pound per person in Google Workspace. Um, so and then Slack per person as well. And they charge on activity. So if someone's not active for like a month, you don't get charged, which is quite nice. So I don't know, let's say Slack a couple hundred pounds a month, Google hundred, click up, or I'm gonna say let's call it five hundred for the year. Um I mean we we pay obviously a lot of other subscriptions as well in terms of um we've got a GitHub repository, so we have seats in there, that's about uh, five five dollars per person that again swells up and down per project so oh i don't know annually that's probably like bank it about a thousand pounds at the moment but that's a very finger in the air idea at the moment
1: yeah that's 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 quite a lot but I think for an agency that's
0: that's (laughs) totally needed that makes sense but if we were if somebody who is just thinking about starting their new business or small Mm. agency is thinking it could be really overwhelming you have so many amazing technological platforms that can help you but Actually, all of that costs money. What would yeah. be your recommendation? What's the bare minimum when you're just starting? Yeah. What's as,
2: as, I can definitely ask, uh, answer this one because I had those same exact same fears when we started out, or, or quickly realized I'm like, oh, this is going to get expensive quite quickly. Um, as a creative agency, uh, first and foremost, the Adobe Suite and Figma. Uh, Figma is actually now my go to, I'm um, in there 99% of the time. I use it for everything for like idea storing and uh obviously the design and the prototyping and everything. it's brilliant um adobe for everything else uh a lot of photoshop after effects probably the other two so they're probably the two biggest expenses but the most worthwhile and then probably google just a a google workspace or domain um So you can obviously brand yourself and your agency and you can have a domain. And then finally, have a website um, and whatever platform that might be. Because there are so many platforms from Webflow, Squarespace's to Shopify's. You just need to find what's right for you. Um, But they're all really good now. They've come along a lot in the last few years uh, to build stuff. And obviously there are a lot of people who do it bespokely as well for the more technical and enabled.
1: I have a quick question regarding (laughs) not a technical um, kind of, you know, a tool that you use. So what I mean is some, like, I think most of the creative agencies, they have their own techniques that they use for brainstorming or like creative workshops that they do inside their team or like solo as well. So can you share like one technique that is like your go-to when you start creating something when you start working with the brief and do you do Mm -hmm. it alone or with the team
2: i like that question um my go-to to be honest my go to is typically uh mood board research i'd say like or like starting to to fill my head and vision of an art direction so that that will be lots of places online from Dribbled, Pinterest, general Google searches, you know, Webby Awards, any place like that. Actually, re- recently came across a really great website called I think you pronounce it Hipster, but it's spelled httpstr.com. Uh, and it's just a collection of some of the most wonderful websites out there. Um, that's the kind of inspiration bit. And as a team, I always say like nothing can start without some research. We always have to objectify ourselves or ground ourselves. Um, However, they get to that objectivity has to start with some inspiration. So it's, yeah, it's the research area. Um, And we try and do that where we can as a team, if we get the opportunity to meet up together, uh, which is twice a month maybe, Um, or if there's something specific uh, like a new uh, brief or client coming, we'll make time to for the right people to get together to do it uh, on a video call. So it could be a couple of hours just sat there, both of us, like a few of us, cruising online, just been sharing this, sharing that. Um, yeah, this that is that is just quite simple, really. It's just that space for me.
1: Is it challenging to have a remote team? As I understand, you are some of you are remote, so you don't have yeah. like a particular yeah. office you meet in.
2: Yeah, we, we have a co-working space in Brighton uh, for the team uh, worldwide. We've got people uh, in South America and rest in kind of UK, Europe. Um, it, it is challenging, it is. Um, I've, my career history has always been in an office um, and I do miss the collaboration that you get from an office or the ability for quick calls quick answers quick inspiration quick collaboration um and so remote working has had to it's pushed me to become more organized um i don't know about you but as a creative myself i can be quite uh my attention can be easily dragged off somewhere i might go down a rabbit hole in research for example and the next thing you know, I'm off I'm off track and I'm not even looking at what I'm spent to be looking at. Absolutely. Um, and so <laughs> relatable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that being remote has made me really check myself in that space to be able to make sure that I give myself the right time, uh and, and restrictions, I guess, on time to be able to like do it properly. Um where in an office, if you're doing that, you kind of always were Pulled up maybe because someone's like next to you and they're like, what are you looking at there? And I'm like, oh, actually, that's the wrong. I'll get back to what I should be doing. So it's, it has been a challenge, but it's I love the flexibility at the same time. Um, yeah, it works for us as a team and for our individual lives. We have, so you know, for example, that if you want to get your hair cut at some time of the day, it doesn't have to be on lunchtime. It's when you know you can get an appointment. I like to work like that, and I like to lead by that example. So, we're not about the hours sat at your desk. It's the the quality output. So, I'm happy if you did did it in an hour, and it was the quality. You know, the quality is fantastic. Versus, it took you 20 hours to do it. Whatever works is um, that's also been a really good part of becoming remote.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can I can relate to that. I just wanted to quickly share. So I myself, I'm really easily distracted. So recently, I found this app on iPhone, it's called Flora. So basically, it's like a Pomodoro timer, but it allows you to um, plant a tree. And also, (laughs) you can insert an amount of money that you want to pledge. And if you exit this app, whilst you're on focus time, it just like charges you charges your card and your tree dies. (gasps) So, if oh, anyone why? if anyone is listening and they have trouble concentrating, that's <laughs> a really good app. I would totally recommend it
2: that's
0: brilliant. <laughs> Oh my God, oh. I know there is Forest, which has a similar principle, but there is no money involved, well, unless you want to donate um... yeah, you can you, it's also optional here, but like yeah. it,
1: it goes to a good cause. so <gasps> have you
0: used it the 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 money the betting yeah the kind of
1: hooking not, yourself not yet i like okay. for me it was enough that the the tree is going to die if i, I just exit Aww, the, the so cute! <laughs> yeah so for me it was already enough i would say <laughs> but um i think um this like we can swiftly move to uh, a topic of ai <gasps> which is least. yes which is so in demand right now and my question will be to you ben Aren't you scared that all this data-driven creativity can be replaced by AI, AI that will still use this data and make data-driven decisions sometimes even better than uh, a human being, always. but will lack creativity? And what will the customer choose?
2: Oh, okay. Uh, Good one. AI is, yeah, hot topic. Um so, so the first part was, what do I think about how it will affect creativity? Can
0: I, can I kind of insert my further thoughts, like kind of rephrase the question maybe? Sure, sure, sure. Um, out of all the creative fields, the data-driven one seems the most vulnerable to AI. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because AI can't do this type of it thing process it, Yeah. Uh, compared to like artistry or whatever like mm-hmm. deeply psychological things yeah how do you feel about that
2: i'm fine fine <laughs> I, I, like, like to mention I, I creative is we're creative first creative driven design led and the number data stuff has in my view just been uh, beneficial to help um drive forward you know successful results for clients ultimately um, we could look at that and interpretate it to, to deliver our creative results ultimately. And I'm actually not worried about AI taking over the world and, and removing designers from their jobs. Um, I was recently speaking to, um, Simon Dixon from Dixon backseat on like a, just a LinkedIn thread and he was posting something similar and saying, we both kind of agreed that, um, it's what you put into it to get the results out of it and that's still the creative part of the human mind which ai can't get to because it needs our input like it's being built on humanity and it only knows what's happened by looking back in history and then kind of generating an output but we can Direct it to generate outputs that we want it to get. Like look at Mid Journey, for example. Um, you know, there's some fantastic stuff you can get out of it, but you've got to put the input into it first to get there. Um, so if anything excites me, it's just very overwhelming because it all happened very, very quickly, what, second half first half of this year, and uh, there's just a lot. Um, and it's like where do you start? And you can obviously go down deep rabbit holes. Um and for me it's i've dabbled in a bit of mid journey it's fantastic there's chat gtp which is a really beneficial tool um i think because uh, for example in shopify there's a uh, an ai powered integration which allows you to uh generate some product descriptions and in previous past jobs sometimes you know the client doesn't always provide the right information or you think it could be better and now we've got a tool that helps us get there and obviously it needs a bit of qa by us as human beings and uh, from the agency side but um it just you know speeds up our day a little bit so generally um i'm I'm cool with it it's uh i'm I'm riding the wave should we say
1: yeah but um you know what really scares me in this way is not that The AI would, for example, just, you know, um, be instead of like a designer. But some agencies would see AI as like a solution to do like quite an average uh, selling job in in terms of like creating content. It's going to sell. It's going to hit all the data uh, KPIs. It's going to do its job. And basically, they won't be... um, how to say it, they won't be in need of you know something really good and creative. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah. is there a chance that, like is there a possibility <laughs> to save the d two c sector or like any other sector that is working with smaller businesses and smaller brands that are directly to consumer for them to be educated enough to understand human creativity can't be replaced by AI because AI, is basically just, you know, collecting the average out of all the data available.
2: Yeah, it's it's an education. It is really an education for um, brands uh, to to understand. And um, it's going to be difficult for sure, because there are going to be brands. And to to be completely honest, it's going to be kind of financially budget driven, who are going to look at the world of AI or the, the conversation that's happening in the world of AI right now, and, and then we'll go, brilliant. Our barrier to entry is extremely cost effective now. Well, it's been lowered, and it's cost effective to enter this market because AI is gonna build me a website, and it's gonna write all the copy for me. Uh, it's gonna, you know, I don't know, switch on some payment gateways, and away we go. Um, but It's probably gonna look like everybody else. Uh, where's your value? that's a big part. And I think the people who are switched on to how AI can be supportive rather than the full service, understand the power of of branding and positioning and uh, being distinctive and generally um, owning your personality and identity, which uh, AI might be able to get there in you know, the next five years or quicker to, to have some stronger identities but um identity is always quite unique so um i think there's going to be a widening gap created through ai and i think it's going to be the wa- the ones who can use it well are the ones who are going to succeed uh, and be at the top end of the pyramid we say and the ones how are solely relying on it, are going to be you know, spread very, very thin and in a very competitive space.
0: Yeah. What you're saying makes me remember, you know, this like sort of theory circulating that, uh, or even just like sort of an angle uh, to this, that very soon everything that is for, let me try and find the right words, um, that very soon... Um, everything AI generated and computer generated would be for poor people, and the real luxury what? and the rich people will have access to the human um, yes, touch I've in this. whichever. What do you think of that?
2: I I do do think that might be the case, because yeah, sadly, why I don't want it to be why. Um, you look like uh, I, I don't know. Um, Processed foods, for example, uh, is now in mass production. It's quick, it's easy, it's autonomized, but we know it's unhealthy, it's bad for you, but it's cheap. And so people who have less money are you know, spending their money on things that will last them longer, and maybe, not saying it is, but maybe like a processed food is going to be more... Within their budget, and the, you know, I don't know, organic type foods in this food uh, scenario I'm, put, I'm putting here is more expensive. And those that would the uh, higher incomes or, you know, greater access to wealth have the opportunity for that, which then says well, you, they're going to have better health because they've eaten well. And like, that's how I see AI kind of doing maybe the having impact in culture is that the basic stuff is just going to be basic, but probably not very good. I hope that kind of made sense. <laughs> That's how I see it <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> uh,
0: well, we can, we can get back to less scary um, <laughs> 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 version of um, discussing it. My last question about it is, obviously you use it in your work, but what um, part of your job or work task you would be happy to give to AI to complete to do for you that probably um, isn't automated yet?
2: Um, the, I'm quite enjoying exploring the uh, conceptualization research space with Midjourney because there is some wild, crazy, cool stuff in there that can come out. So I'm happy in that space because it's more inspiration. Uh, and I'm very happy in the more um, written content space for um more churn type material which is a horrible word but like mm. we help we use it to help us uh write content uh where it might be a blog or it might be like a pro description or something where you can just generate iterations quickly and uh, so i'm happy for it to do that because ultimately we were doing it anyway and it took us a long time to do it and now it's just sped uh sped that up and we've got free time to do more of our value-based stuff, which is the is the creative and the strategy.
1: Yeah, regarding MidJourney, I can totally agree. I'm, I can't draw at all. But for me <laughs> now to explain myself to my colleagues and say, like, this is how I see, for example, this case board looking like, mm-hmm. and that's how the prototype should look like, MidJourney does its job amazingly. Like, mm-hmm. I can just insert the prompt and there's so many articles right now on how to create those prompts and even like a whole new job i think uh is beginning to grow like prompt engineers for mid-journey for chat gpt and all the ai tools so those yeah. who are scared that ai is going to take jobs i think in some industries is <laughs> just going to create more new ones yeah i you see
2: great. people Actually, another good one i used um was a yeah, photoshop beta with uh generative yeah
1: build. yeah uh,
2: that's been really handy. I had to do some retouching on some stuff. Um, yeah. And again, sometimes you have to pen out some stuff. Oh, this this just was a again, great time saver. I pay for the product, it's doing the job. So I'm all for it.
1: And Figma as well now has an AI. So if you do like any UX, UI design, it's basically, um, I, th- I think it was like showcased as a beta. So I've seen like a YouTube video of that, but you can just insert the prompt like, make me an interface like with this button with this hover and like animated so that the
0: prototype will work and it just it just does it well, <laughs> so I'm yeah well I that 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 actually brings us to the beginning of the conversation when you, Ben, said it's a very exciting. Sorry, can I start again? I'm not saying this properly. So this actually brings us to the beginning of the conversation, Ben, when you were saying that it's a very exciting space where a lot of new trends are happening Mm. all the time. Can you tell us what the trends and technology are, the future of creativity in the in your space in D to Um, C
2: space? so in i kind of separate this in two spaces there's creative and there's tech they kind of blend but uh, if we just look at them as two pillars in the creative space there's design trends all the time um and through design trends that's like i said very exciting to either be like finger on the pulse or iterating some sort of uh trend from the inspiration of it and that in in, in um and fit into like builds the website design or the brand aesthetic so that's one kind of pillar and then the other kind of piece is the tech and there's lots of exciting things always emerging in the world of tech so when we look at direct consumer um kind of tech spaces there's lots of like strategic things you can do to keep your customers so that's a really um big piece at the moment is pre we've lost the ability of um Getting loads of customers since uh, Apple released iOS 14, however long it were, ago, it was. And there's the conversation around first-party data cookies only um, and the removal of third-party cookies. So we need to do more with the customers that we've got on our website. And the strategic ways of doing that is to retain them. So can we get them to subscribe to our product? Can we make them loyal to our um, to our brand or to our product by gamification um, or providing loyalty points or early access. So there's lots of um, uh, tech partners that build our, our our tech stack, as we call it, that allow us to do these things. Uh, a few shout outs to, to Yoppo um, or um, Recharge and Reviews for Trustpilot, these little um, I say little, they're big in, the, in the, the world of Shopify apps. They facilitate loads of new things all the time to help us convert customers, to retain customers, to, to build uh, those customers into to loyal customers, lifetime value customers. And that's the exciting part that it, ways of thinking to do something new and in the, in the world of that kind of tech stack.
0: Do you think email marketing is still effective? Very it, it, much so, yes. Is so,
2: it? Yes. In the, there's pretty much one um, email provider that everyone uses in Shopify. and that's Clavio uh, or Klaviyo. People pronounce it differently. I haven't settled on one yet. Um, Klaviyo is the go-to, and email marketing is massive, and there's some really um, cool things you can do in there now with Kind of segmentation flows of your customer so this again all comes back to like knowing your customer data um but yeah, when to communicate to them with what content ai can probably fill in some of that content space there as well um and it can predict when they might purchase again with the right connections with the right apps so there's email still a very big part of it yeah
0: it's very interesting because as a customer i'm I see that everybody's definitely trying to get into my personal email whichever way they can, and yeah. I'm very often I subscribe to things because they sound exciting, they sound interesting, like we'll be sending you trends, we'll be sending you this, you'll participate in that. And I immediately regret it once <laughs> once I start receiving all these emails. My question is, do people really interact with with that with the emails?
2: yes yeah I mean, <gasps> the, uh, the, the, yeah, um brands are like converting you know in the twenties uh twenty percent sometimes of uh email sends, so be it like a sale email or a, a more of a content driven piece, yeah, customers really do uh interact and also actually um text sms is is uh growing a lot here in the u k wow in the u s um Having a brand text you apparently is very, very normal and it's been happening for years and their conversion rate on, on text messages is really high, but here in the UK, we're a bit more prudent with um, people directly contacting us with text or even over WhatsApp, um, but it is growing and it's a great way to to let people know, oh, you know, it's hot outside, uh, our product's perfect for this hot weather, um, here's a discount. or. If you're not into a discount strategy, you know, grab it now while stocks last or whatever it might be. And that seems it is working, too. Um, but yeah, it's um, people definitely engage, uh, but people engage in many different ways. That's just one channel of many marketing channels that DDC brands need to use to to access their full customer base, really, because everyone everyone is different and they make their own choices about how they want to interact and how they communicate.
0: Can I be a little bit cheeky here and try and use your expertise selfishly? Mm-hmm. Just a fun question. Do you think a particular podcast needs a newsletter or shall we text our
2: audience? Oh, newsletter. Really? You've got, how long have we been speaking for? A while now, lots to unpack here. Uh, I feel that you have the perfect platform for deeper content richer content and you can't get that in a text message you could text your customer uh, your 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 um, audience to say podcast is out that's a great way to maybe get them to go and listen to it straight away but i feel like you could do a nice little roundup i listened to um a podcast in the world of dc called your basket is empty um and it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a good great,
0: name <laughs> it yeah. is a good
2: name uh, it's a great one great podcast and he a guy called tim he does the roundup uh every time he launches one i actually really enjoy reading his email because it's insightful it's bite-sized and uh yeah you know, it's just i've got it there to hand and then i know what i'm going to be listening to on the podcast whenever i get around to it
1: i'm exploring Substack now i think this could be like a platform for because it's it is a newsletter but also you have like a platform where you have all your newsletters and you know exactly on what you subscribed so yeah. yeah and also uh i think this i don't know if it's interesting to anyone but yeah just researched as well that is good like for seo optimization because it's like in a web format and as yeah. well goes into Very your email yeah.
0: yeah another thing to do for us <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um let's move on to um to the uh, Fun bit of, well, this one, the, the everything you've said before was also fun. But <laughs> now <laughs> we have this little question that we ask everybody. Can you rate your creativity? Today. Uh, today. Can we yeah. rate it today? Rate the level of your creativity on the scale from one to ten um, today.
2: Today. I'll be really honest. My creativity was very low today. Uh, I'd probably say two and a half <gasps> out of ten. Because I spent most of my day doing more account management and uh, just general admin type things. That's my. I try and save these to Fridays because it's just a bit of a a tick box exercise. There's not much creativity. Um, I think after we finish uh, chatting today, there might be a bit more creativity. I'm going to check in on how a project's going. Um, so that'll be fun. But sadly, it's pretty low.
0: Mm, no, that's fine. Actually, very. Glad to hear an honest answer. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to say as well. Because um, usually people will be like, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight, and no one says either ten or something lower than five. So ah, yeah, wow. thank you, yeah. thank you
2: for an honest answer. Honesty and transparency is honestly something we always try and as an agency live by, because it just makes it's just the way, I believe the way to be. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for well, that's sure. That's a good plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So we move to recommendations, Yeah. to your recommendations. So yeah. in, in any particular order,
1: yeah, one book, one film, and one campaign that you can recommend to our listeners.
2: Right. So you did ask me about this before we started recording, and I have been trying to think as we go, and I'm still a little bit stuck on a book i'm literally looking at my amazon uh, history to see uh what i've read recently because i can't remember off the top of my head so i'm going to come back to that campaign um i recently loved the new channel for identity um from Four creative uh, I, I popped it up on my linkedin a couple of weeks ago i think channel 4 always really creative uh in their their stings ever since i think it was the the kind of like the monumental like four the number four kind of blocky build piece this this uh identity is uh a really good insight into like modern britain i think and how it kind of this uh perpetual movement of just everlasting kind of like diving into different worlds and seeing like a really good cross-section of our our uh, society so i think they've nailed it great campaign check that out Mm -hmm. um Film, 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 film. I'm trying to think the most recent film I watched. I watch, I do like a lot of kind of sci-fi, dystopian world stuff. So I'm going to change it from film to series, if that's okay. Let's go. Yes. Uh, I'm really into Silo on Apple TV right now. I don't know if you've watched it yet. No.
1: My girlfriend just watched it and she has been recommending to me. Is it scary?
2: No, it's not scary. It's dystopian. Okay. Basically, I won't give too much away, but um, humans in the future mm-hmm. live in a bunker or a silo underground, and you're basically just uh, going on the, the journey with a few characters, uh, experiencing it, and some revelations they make in the series. It's, it's great. Um, Apple TV, I've got some really high in production as well, I feel, uh, so yeah, quite absorbed into that.
0: Oh, wow, that's really cool. I
2: yeah. shall
0: look into that. Um,
2: the book. book wise, so um, I'm just looking at my book. We can stuff, yeah. uh,
0: maybe you we can either go in the direction of professional book that maybe yeah. impacted you, or you can um, you can even say what book you want to. Uh, so
2: I've got a read. couple that I've, yeah. I've got on my reading list that's pretty easy. Yeah. To. I've got one. These are more like professional, I wouldn't call them like self-helps, but like written by ex-agency owners. Um, uh, It's Stand Out or Stand Still by a chap called Gareth something, Gareth Healy, I want to say. Um, Just started that one, but I'm literally like a couple pages in. I've got in my hand here a classic by uh, Blair Ends, The Win Without Pitching Manifesto, um, which is a shortish read. Uh, but really quite insightful to um drive your value um Mm -hmm. and then there's a very specific agency book which actually i've kind of used as like quite good reference over the last few years it's called it's by a um like a membership group called agency nonics and it's called grow your agency to the first five million and beyond um and it's kind of like a Bit of everything, operational stuff in there, like attitude stuff, experiences of people who've done it before. Um, so that's been quite a good one. I kind of always f- fall into that type of book reading things, which are I get a direct kind of response or action out of the things I can do.
0: Wow, that's really cool. That's a great recommendation for us for Anastasia for the agency journey. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I'm gonna add <laughs> it to my yeah. Amazon basket. So my basket is. <laughs> Not empty. (laughs) Uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such an amazing conversation and really insightful as well. And yeah, uh, we wish you all the best with uh, your agency and are looking forward to seeing more campaigns that you do. I'm honestly going to be paying more attention to the creative side of Shopify
0: now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was a discovery for me too. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. There, there's so many stores out there. Nine times out of 10, they're going to be on Shopify. And um, there are some really good ones out there. I think, yeah. Oh, can
0: you recommend an interesting yeah. Shopify I store mean, for us to look my, at?
2: One of my. T- I wouldn't say favourites, because my favorites change every week. <laughs> a really good store at the moment is WeAreWild.com, which is Wild Deodorant. Um, sadly not a client of ours, but I really like what they've done in terms of the the brand as a whole, but also the user experience in terms of shopping on there. They uh, are
1: great. They're great. I buy their deodorants a really good product as well. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, they've got everything like like sorted. Great product, great purpose, you know, they've got a good mission and their, their store is really just fantastic
1: we will put a link there and yeah we are hoping for a promo code from wild then (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh thank you so much ben and yeah we wish you all the best and have a great weekend yeah
2: have a a great weekend you too. Thanks for having me. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Really good to chat.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Particular. Uh, all the links and tools that Ben has mentioned in the episode we are going to include in the description box. And yeah, look out for a Substack newsletter and thank you for listening.
0: Yeah, can I just say, if you know somebody who is really creative and really cool, let us know email us this person and we will see maybe we can talk to them um yeah thank you for listening thank you bye-bye bye